Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Annie Williams is an American professional soccer player currently playing for Parma in the Serie A, Italy's top flight. Prior to this season in Italy, Annie spent time in Costa Rica, Iceland, and Sweden. We talk about owning your unique path, the sacrifices made to pursue a dream, asking yourself the right questions, dealing with and appreciating adversity, and perspective. Enjoy. So Annie Williams, welcome to Footwork. Hey, thanks for having me. We always start the same exact way. It's our motto here. It's make your own path. So for someone who's certainly made their own path playing in Costa Rica, Iceland, Sweden, and now Italy, what does making your own path mean to you personally? Mm, uh, good question. I think to me, making my own path just means that believing that my journey is for me and it's the best for me. Because I think, I don't know, growing up, I always saw, okay, you have step one, step two, step three, step one. All right. Maybe you go to college, step two, pro step three, whatever's next. And I thought, okay, if I follow that path, I'm successful. But now I'm realizing in, you know, all the different ways that my story has unfolded, that this has been really the most beneficial path for me. And it wasn't step one, step two, step three. Okay. Done. Perfect. Love that answer. <laughs> and and before we dive into your really unique story, who are you? Where were you? And where are you going? Okay. Uh, deep, right off the bat. Deep. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm Annie Williams. Um, I'm originally from Minnesota. Went to school at South Dakota State. Studied English education and Spanish. And then I started playing in Costa Rica, uh, played in Iceland, Sweden, and Italy. Where I'm going, I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. I'm really open to anything, all opportunities. I like what you said there just about how we feel like it has to be step one, step two, step three. But I mean, rarely people in our positions is it ever like that. Usually it's step one, step two and a half. You come back a step and then there's a jump to four. You know, it's it's always like this where things come unexpectedly. So, I mean, where in your life did you feel like, you know, this was okay for it to be outside of the realm of one, step one, step two, step three, and to kind of be this, you know, straight forward path to success? Honestly, I feel like it's been very recent that I've been realizing that my path is okay my path is even what gives me an advantage sometimes I would say when I was growing up and when I was trying to start playing college soccer because um, I started late in the recruiting process I was just trying to find any school that would take me um, I really thought that okay I have to do this to play college soccer and then after I was in college soccer the step in front of me was, okay, to play pro, it has to look like this. And so I was always, when I was moving to the next step, even though I was like moving slowly, 
because what I had in front of me didn't look like what your traditional like pro path looked like. I always kind of felt like I was a step behind in the Mm -hmm. process. I was like, okay, I'm coming from college. I, you know, I'd love to play in the NWSL. And when I knew that wasn't a reality for me, I was like, okay, how do I go through all of this stuff, this stuff, these steps super quick so that I can get back to where like the path would take me. Um, But I would say just recently, probably in the past year, I realized that, I don't know, all the different opportunities that I've had, like one kind of led to another, like playing in Costa Rica gave me an experience that I never thought that I would have. Um, And then COVID hit and I got my first like full year of professional football in in Iceland and before that I had never imagined myself playing outside of the U.S. um, let alone in Europe and so with each step it kind of gave me a little bit more confidence to kind of like be myself and really own my path instead of looking at all of you know all of the greats and saying oh wow like she went to a great college and she went straight to pro and she has all this experience instead of looking at that, which, you know, it's amazing. We should celebrate it. I really learned to celebrate my own and be like, this is good too. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And if I love what I'm doing and if I'm happy and I'm successful and everything's good mentally, then for me, it's, I'm going in the right direction. Guys, that was a good podcast. I think (laughs) she just killed it right there. We're all good. We got everything we need. Um, no, one of the things, I mean, I think touching on for you, was it difficult not to compare yourself to maybe people you had played with or people that you saw that, you know, their success seemed to come easy, whether, you know, seeing it on social media, it's very easy for us to compare ourselves and our paths instead of, you know, coming to the realization that you have in the past year that your path as abnormal, maybe as it is, it should be celebrated for that because of how cool it is. Yeah, no, of course. I think that when, I don't know, about the time I decided that I wanted to play professionally, I just kind of, that's when I started to kind of take a look around me and say, okay, like there's a lot of talent, like a lot, a lot of talent. And these girls are really good. And how could I, someone who came from, you know, a small D1 school who didn't even know that I was going to play soccer in college didn't even know that I could how could someone like me go and do what these players who I admire so much how could I do what they're doing you know so it kind of started out that way and the more that I grew up and the more I started to kind of like put in that mental work and work on my own confidence I was still able to appreciate like other people's talent and I was able to yeah, kind of admire them and say, okay, like everybody's pathway is not easy. Even if it looks easy, if she went A to B to C to D, like I can't look at that on social media or, you know, even watch a watch a game of somewhere that I want to be and look at a star player and say, wow, like she really like it was easy for her. Like, no, I started to realize that in this job, and you guys know it too, in this job that we have, there's so much that goes unseen, so much work. Um, and honestly, so many struggles that goes on while we're playing, we could be playing the best football of our lives, but 
you know, kind of have some, something that we're struggling with or something that we're working through. And so when I kind of realized that we're all kind of human here, it made me, yeah, it made everything more of a, oh, it's not easy or it's easy for her. It's not easy for me. It's just kind of like, we're all just trying to do our thing. Yeah, exactly. And starting with the now, how are things going at Palmer for the team and you personally? Yeah, uh, I'll start with me personally. Uh, Moving to Italy was probably one of the craziest things I've done, you know, (laughs) because when I was in Costa Rica, I was studying Spanish so I could kind of, you know, try my best with my Spanish. And then when I was in Iceland, uh, everyone spoke English and then Sweden. um, English again. English again. And so that was pretty easy for me to go in and say, okay, I can communicate with everyone just fine. And as far as like the tactical side of the football, I would say like, it's more similar to Mm -hmm. what I played in the U S. But moving to Italy was kind of that one thing that I did that I was like, this is going to be great. And then I got there and I was like, it's going to be great, but it's also going to be really hard. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I would just say this past season, for me, it's been going well. I feel like I'm adjusting more and more every day. Obviously, it has taken a while for me personally for that tactical piece to kind of set in. But like I said, I'm getting more and more comfortable every day, which I'm happy with. Um, as far as the team, we have four games left. We're pushing along. Um we have a lot of talent on our team. I would say like, I'm impressed with our team. Parma as a club, I would just give a lot of praise to of the things that they are doing for us um, in Italy's first professional season. So yeah, so far so good. What's one thing that's surprised you the most since being in Italy and coming to Italy? be on or off the field yeah um I would say when I first came here and I heard that okay this is the first like fully professional season for Syria in women it really surprised me and made me think about all of the women who have played here before me and who've you know like for years who've struggled and fought for these things that we have now. It really kind of put it all into perspective for me of like, you know, we have girls on my team who um, I was talking to someone today and they were like, as far as youth teams for little girls, like you had to go and try to find one. And there's just nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. But like, as we go on, this is a really big step for the girls here and I think that so much of the work that they've done is this is the first year that it's really like paying off and you get to see like that professionalism in women's football and hopefully it only like the professionalism only grows yeah and has there been an investment um in the youth now after the season or during this season yeah I am not I can't tell you a fact, 100% sure, um, but I have seen more young footballers, you know, 
girls that we were at an event the other day and just like signing autographs and stuff. And there were more than a handful of little girls who just kind of looked at me and they were like, whoa. And I looked at them and I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like one of those moments to where like, we are more visible. So I think that once we are more visible, then for the little girls who are like, oh, I didn't know I could play football. I think mm. that that's really starting to to show. Yeah. And you actually have, Parma has an American owner, Kyle Cross, who um, actually you said on a previous podcast that like the, the professional is not the club is the best you've experienced yet. And uh, even more so than, than college, which for many European listeners, like college, the college experience is significantly more than professional than many, many top division clubs around the world, which is, we're kind of fortunate to grow up with that. Um, mm -hmm. But you said here at Parma, it's actually been incredibly professional. How has your experience been with, first of having an American owner like this uh, in a foreign country, um, but also just the the change in professionalism that he's bringing to the league? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak of, um, you know, what everything was like before him, but I will say for me personally, it's been a comfort to have a fellow Midwesterner. <laughs> like, oh, is he Midwest? He's Midwestern too? Yeah, yeah. Nice. So it's, yeah, it's been great. And I feel like he is someone who's really visible with us. Like he'll show up to our practice. He will talk to us. He, you know, he's taken Italian lessons. He'll try and use his Italian. Um, so as far as being available to the team, I I haven't seen that of an owner of a big club in Italy, of both the men's and the women's side, having, you know, the president come to a practice. Hey, how is everyone? Hey, just letting you guys know I believe in you. And so for me to see that, I was, um, yeah, very impressed with that. And obviously it's not just him showing up. It's um for me it's also who we have on staff like we have a number of like obviously head coach assistant assistant coach um you know like we have obviously a director of strength and conditioning um you know like people we have multiple physios a dietitian team manager all of those things that i definitely didn't have at previous clubs I'm seeing how that looks and people who are really there to help you be successful on and off the field. Um, so with that, I was really impressed. And speaking about this, this level of professionalism, there was another thing I liked that you said was it's, it's great that all of these things are happening. There's no doubt, but changing the mindset of instead of just, okay, thank you. This is great, but this is how it should be. This is how it should be everywhere. This is how it should be in, and first and second tiers and in, in women's football throughout Europe, throughout the US, throughout the world. Can you speak a little bit about that, about that mindset instead of, you know, the it's it's cool, it's great, but this is how this is exactly how it should be. And we should raise the bar. Yeah, of course. I think that when I first signed my like when I signed my first professional contract, everything that I was given, I was like, wow, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Yeah here I am so grateful for this opportunity to play football as my job and that hasn't changed I'm still very grateful to have football as my job um but as we go on more and more and I've even seen um you know like more 
women professional footballers who are speaking out and say saying okay like we're grateful for this but like you said like we deserve more um and so more and more people are investing to the women into the women's game which is great thank you so much but at the same time um for any other job that you would have any other professional job that you would have you kind of think about all of the things like put it on a baseline everything that um, someone who is a professional at any job should have. And mm-hmm. if you list them, you're like, okay, obviously you have your, you know, like your salary, your health insurance, your, you know, whatever benefits that they provide you, whether it's transportation, um, whether that's meals, things like that. Um, if they let you fly home or not, how much vacation they give you, um, you look at a baseline of all of that. And we can say, thank you, but we can also ask for more Mm. and say, okay, we actually don't want handouts. We don't want people to just think that they're pouring money into the women's game as some sort of charity. We want to have more resources, continue to have more resources, um, you know, like the men have. And we want to keep proving and keep showing the world that we're the football that you want to watch. Not like, okay, you give us money. You say you support us on social media and that's it. But we're fun to watch. Like we can ball, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, that's all it is like grateful, but it's okay to be grateful and to ask for more and to ask for what we deserve. How have you felt in each country that you've, you've been the, the level of, of, not only investment and money in terms, but in, in, in interest and in support, how have you find it, it similar and, and differentiating in the countries you've been in? Yeah, I think that it varies, uh, you know, within countries, within leagues. Um, I would say in Costa Rica. So uh, I played a couple official games there. And then that was COVID. So after those mm. couple of official games, like, uh, went home, didn't come back. But even in those games, like, there were fans, they were cheering, they were, you know, a support that I never even dreamed of. Because, okay, at college, we had support. That was good. That was great. Obviously, you don't see your packed stadiums like you do for the other sports. But, okay, it was good enough. Didn't expect anything. Um, came there, had you know, a decently full stadium. And then I went to Iceland who, you know, we would get a handful, sometimes more than a handful, depending on the games, um, which was good. And Sweden was kind of the same. Uh, that was, I was at Kalmar and we played in the same stadium that the men would play. And so like for us, we would have, you know, a little section that they would open for the women's. And okay, like you have your handful of people, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, but then you go to a men's game and you see the whole stadium packed and you're like, wow, uh, that's perspective. Um, But I would say in Italy, we probably have the most fans that I have, which still I think we could do better with, um, with having more spectators in the stadium, if that makes sense. Because, Mm -hmm. okay, now we have um, ATA football, And I know for a fact that like, you know, I have family and friends watching from there. I have, you know, so many people that I know of that are watching from the apps. And now for me, 
like, okay, can we get more people in the stadium? Can we have more of a presence? Because, um, you know, the leagues and, um, you know, the, sorry, in the uh, Champions League games, mm-hmm. like in England, in Spain, they're getting, they're packing stadiums. And mm-hmm. um, the other week in Rome, they're packing stadiums. And so for me, even though I don't have that, that's fun to see, um, you know, that happening because yeah. it, it becomes more of a reality. Yeah, we just had a guest on Genesee who plays at mm-hmm. uh, FC Cologne in mm-hmm. the first Bundesliga. And they had a special game in the men's stadium and sold out. And I think there was 35,000 or something like this. Wow. So it's it's great to see these things. And I don't mean to put this question on you because obviously, like, it's not it's not your I mean, it's it's not on you to to give us the answers, but mm-hmm. I mean, how do we kind of help in 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 engaging that change to to make it more like these places that are selling out, to make it more um, like England, like Spain, and more mm-hmm. inclusive like this? That's a great question. For for, for perspective, like <laughs> I said, I don't mean to put the throw this one on you, but no, no, it's good. I think in general, like there's so many little things that could be done, um, you know, within the country, within the city that you play in to kind of like advertise the games that I have no idea about. Um, No, but I think that just for people who are, who are fans, who are watching online, like, I always think it's good to have like to have discussions you know I always see like some of the games like I follow on Twitter there are always people that have their comment on the game and then you see mm-hmm. threads and I'm like okay you just read that thread you're like hmm maybe next time I want to catch the game if I didn't catch it this time so for me it's all about like okay let's talk yeah it's the engagement I like that right. the more engagement the more we talk about it the more it brings it to light and then you see it it's more visible mm-hmm. I think that's such a huge thing like um I think they mentioned on one of the one of the podcasts we we heard you on when we were doing some research was mm-hmm. um, a group s- got the rights for the for the Syria feminines um, for the, all the games and I think that's great I think the more that these things become um, readily available for us anywhere so I can watch your games in Italy when mm-hmm. I'm in Germany or in the U.S. I think the more we can engage and the more we can talk about these things. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on with that. Absolutely. Also, to me, like, how have you felt in terms of in your city or around the game outside of your immediate, uh, you know, team? Has there been not publicity, but is there talk around? Do people notice, like, do people know that there's a women's team now and that they're playing professionally in Sierra? Ah, because I think that's in, in a country like Italy where football is huge to hear that the women's game is so far behind the men's at this point is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's. I think I've gotten recognized in public one time and that was like just totally random. This one like older gentleman was like, do you play for Parma? I saw you on TV. And I was like, huh, weird. So like, I think you have your people like that who are right. kind of curious to see, okay, like what's this women's team like? Cause you know, Parma is a historic club yeah, and like so many people are keeping up with Parma. And so if you hear, ah, you know, Parma has a women's team in Syria for the first time, then you might say, okay, like, let me look into this. 
So I would say like right now, it's a lot of curiosity of, okay, I have people that I've met through certain things, like after you have a conversation and then you're like, Hey, I like, I'm a footballer. Why are you here? Oh, I play football for Parma. Then like the questions start coming in. Um, so I would say it's a little bit more curiosity more than anything. Mm-hmm. Speaking on the football side, as we talk about Italy, Italy is such a, a Mecca for football. How or what things have you kind of gathered um, in your first year here on the field? And what things do you feel like you've really had to adapt to and learn as you went? Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing I think would definitely be the language barrier. Like I said, I could get by speaking English before, like all the time in my other clubs. And here we have, you know, girls who speak English also, but it's like the language of the game in Syria and Italy is Italian. And so mm-hmm. first things first, more than anything, um, just to be able to understand that and to be able to listen to instructions in Italian and to think fast with that and to make your decision with that um, was definitely the first step because you get in the first couple of days um, and you don't speak any Italian and someone's trying to tell you something and you don't know whether it's right, left, up or down. So that was like my first hard adjustment. Um, I would also say tactically, it's a bit different, not a bit, a lot different from what I grew up doing. And I think the, as we all know, the the game in the U.S. is played differently than it is in Europe. Um, you know, and each game has its strengths. I wouldn't say, oh, this is better than that. This is better than that. No, it's just, it's just different. But just for an example, I would say that seeing the game the way I see it and seeing the way, uh, you know, the way that they see it here doesn't always match up. And so if I'm in a situation in the game and in my whole like career growing up playing, um, playing football, my decision would always be to find this person in the middle. And if I'm in this situation in Italy and they see, oh, you should always find the person on the outside. It's like knowing that like what opportunity is there and then making a decision based on like what my teammates want as well, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So obviously it's a good <clears throat> mix of everything. It's like, we all learn how to play with each other. But for me, it's really seeing the, seeing the entire game, the way that, I don't know, the shape that it is here. And yeah. then being able to add my style into that has been kind of definitely one of my growing points here and something that I want to continue to grow into. Yeah. And we've actually had a, a former guest on uh, Morton Clinton who played in Italy and he had, mm-hmm. he explained that like tactically it was so much different than anywhere else he's played because uh, like as a number eight, he was, he, he was only allowed to stay in his part of the field. Mm-hmm. It was like a section of his field and he couldn't leave that section. And at the time this was the Italy won the world cup. Uh, years prior to this and it was successful but it's such a different style of game than what we're all used to and like you said in the u.s it's like a different sport but it's also effective so it's not it's not worse mm-hmm. or better or worse but uh in in your experience now with parma how has the game or how is your strength as a player kind of mixed with the style that your coach or your club is trying to play 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, um, I don't know, coming in as the player that I was, I came in as a center back. And so as I was like training, playing center back under the first coach we had, like I was always seen as a center back. This is your position. This is what you were going to play. Um, and then our new coach came in and was talking to me and kind of said, okay, like with your skill set, with what you see within the game, I actually see you as an outside back. Um, and so in that way, what I had, I don't know, what I brought to the table as a player, um, what my strengths were, allowed me to play a position that I didn't expect to play coming in. And so I think that, I don't know, whatever he saw in me, he was like, okay, I like that you do that. I want that on the outside. So worked out that way. Yeah. So, so from your experience, because I think it, it varies everywhere too, when we talk about the language, when they do the team talks, um, I mean, especially when you're first there, is there any translation to English for you? Or is it really just figuring out which which parts you know of Italian and maybe asking a few people on the side um, and getting the gist of it all? Mm -hmm. uh, we definitely have um, girls, coaches, so many people around us that can and will translate when we're starting out. I think this year Parma was extremely prepared. Uh, from the get-go, we were in Italian lessons and we still are twice a week. So that kind of allows us to learn new words to become familiar. Um, but I would say within the six month mark, I didn't need a translator for most things. But, you know, you always have those players who um, on the field can translate on the go and stuff like that. So it's actually been like a pretty, besides like the first couple of days where I just was running around like a chicken with my head cut off it's been like pretty smooth. Like if yeah. the coach says something and I don't understand, I know that there's somebody that I can ask who can explain it to me. So I kind of find comfort in that. If I don't understand, somebody will help me to understand. Yeah. What about off the field? Um, what are, have you, first off, have you been able to do some, some traveling around Italy at all? Yeah, I've done a bit. Uh, for the most part, I was just kind of at the beginning trying to get settled with Mm -hmm. um, football and living in Parma in general, but yeah, I've traveled a bit. How, how do you feel you're adapting outside and, and what are some of your, your favorite things about Italy? Mm, I have a lot of favorite things. I hope it. you weren't running, you know, like a chicken without a head around in the town square. No, no, no. Only, uh, only at the train stations. Don't worry. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. No, I would say, as I settled in in Parma, I really started to uh, appreciate the way of life here because it's so different from, uh, you know, what I'm used to. I would say I appreciate the weather here. It's not as cold as Minnesota. Definitely. Uh, Parma is a walking city, so you can get anywhere uh, around the center pretty quick. The transportation is good. Uh, you could take a bus, you could take a train anywhere. Uh, love that. Great food. Uh, nice people, mm -hmm. especially in Parma. I feel like people are helpful. Um, yeah, there's so many oh. good things about Italy. Sounds nice to me. It's, exactly. It sounds like you're really <laughs> enjoying it.
And rewinding the clock back to your time in Costa Rica, which was your first experience outside of the U.S. and uh, mm. professionally, but it's the professional term is a lot different than where you are now in Parma, where um, I believe it wasn't full time for most of the players. You guys trained mm -hmm. really early in the morning. Mm -hmm. That way everyone could go to to work full time jobs mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, so was this what you expected in your head um, of what professional soccer would be like? The here in Italy or the Costa Rica experience yeah. back then? Mm, I don't so your expectations going into it or did you not have any or you were just happy to be there? Yeah, I had nothing. I'm not going to lie. I came That's in great. because I my last semester of um, of college, I studied abroad in Costa Rica. So I started uh, there studying okay. and then found um, Saprisa to play with. And then after I was done, um, the next year, come that next season, they asked for to sign me on contract. So mm -hmm. I was just kind of in that spot of, okay, it's somewhere that I've lived. I've, I know where they train. I've trained with them. I found comfort in that, honestly, of something familiar. And so anything that was kind of thrown my way, handed to me, I was like, sure, yes, I'll do it. It's the perfect place to start for me. So I knew that it was like a starting place. And to be honest, it was a good starting place for me. I had heard stories of, you know, girls going into Europe and not knowing what to expect and thinking that they're going to get taken care of in certain ways and that necess not necessarily being what actually happened. And so getting that opportunity for me, I was like, listen, I, I know this city for the most part. And so I'm familiar with it. Let's go. Whatever it happens, happens. So. And kind of to, to throw the same question at you again, but with Costa Rica, was there anything that, you know, surprised you a lot in terms of you didn't, you didn't expect something like this, whether it was culture on the field um, that you took away from Costa Rica? Yeah, I think I didn't realize I mean, I knew, but I didn't know. I had never experienced how big football is outside of the U.S. Mm. Like, yes, it's big in the U.S., but we have American football. We have baseball. We have basketball. We have everything. But coming to Costa Rica for the first time and, you know, being a part of uh, the biggest club in Central America, um, being a part of that, going to a men's game, it really just made me realize, like, People live, breathe football here. And I would say that that was my biggest shock because I, you know, yeah, just didn't think. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's just totally different. It's just mm -hmm. another, it's just another level where you're right. It's like, it is basically, it's, it's life. It's what people talk about. Mm -hmm. It's in the newspapers. That is, mm -hmm. that is life. And it's a good life. It's a very yeah, good life. Exactly. It's a good life <laughs> to be a part of. And did you have the idea of playing abroad growing up? Like when did this become an opportunity or even thought, or was it just when you were in Costa Rica studying abroad and just, oh, let me play for this local team. And then it turned into something. Yeah. So growing up, I thought I was going to play basketball. Started off oh. playing basketball. Me and my twin sister, we would play basketball, soccer all year round. So basically we weren't even thinking about what we were going to do in the future was like we'd go from basketball to soccer practice next day go from soccer to basketball practice so we were just kind of having fun soaking it all in and then come college time I was like 
my biggest dream in the whole entire world is to play at the next level. And that was college. And for me, I didn't know if that was realistic. So growing up, I thought, oh, like it'd be it'd be nice to play to play basketball in college or, you know, for at the next level. But it wasn't until I would say my junior year of college soccer that I was really like, wow, I could play pro because I had this um, I had this one WPSL coach that I played for uh, my junior year, my first year of WPSL. And he was like amazing, encouraging, like really a champ for women's football. And his name was Mickey. And I remember one day after we had a game, he came up to me and he said, you know what? Like, you're a badass. Have you ever thought about playing pro? And I looked at him and I was like, in my head, I'm like, that's a possibility for me. Like someone thinks that I could do that. So for me, that initial belief kind of sparked in my junior year. And after I had had a pretty good season, uh, my senior year of college soccer, I was like, no, like I'm going to try. If I can't do this, I can't do this. But one person believes in me and my parents believe in me. My family believes in me. And so I'm going to try. Can we quote that? That's exactly what he said. Did you know you're a badass? That's yes. amazing. Love that. I don't think there's any better way to start a sentence than that. No, he's great. He's definitely, you know, you know, those coaches that really just like, they just got believe something in you. out of yeah. you, like yeah. got you to that level you didn't think you could be at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was that for me. So it's shout so Mickey. Yeah, it's yeah, so crucial. It's so crucial to have like, because who knows? I mean, maybe you found that spark later on, but you know, who knows if he didn't give you that spark in your head to kind of, you know, that maybe trickle down and, and brought more fire into it and more passion for you. Like, who knows? No, absolutely right. That's great. I mean, you spoke a little bit about how you really enjoyed this as your first experience. Can you walk us through the transition transition into your next experiences? I know um, the Costa Rica season was cut short because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So what kind of came in these in, in this time? Yeah, so as we all know, COVID was an unsure time for everything in the world, let alone football. Like for so many people, football, unless you were in a contract, you know, have having residence at another country, like everything was pretty unsure. And so from the time I came back to Minnesota, and I want to say for at least seven months, I was at home uh, training but also working, I was doing some coaching. Uh, We have a program that I absolutely love. I have to give them a shout out. Sorry. Please do. Um, Please do. Pura Vida in Minnesota. They were just kind of starting out and I had heard of somebody, he was Costa Rican and I was like, I just played in Costa Rica. So I reached out and I'm like, Hey, like, can you guys train me? I want to be pro. Like I want to be good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, come out, come out. And just kind of from there, our relationship grew. And so I was training there. I was working there and I'd say like that seven, eight months, however long it was like passed pretty quickly, even though it was like an unsure time. Um, And that time I ended up getting a new agent who, okay, sorry, shout out again. Jack, throw them all out there. there. No apologies. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. No. Um, so I ended up getting a new agent who from the get go that I started working with him, he's like, 
all right, let's go. Let's get you somewhere. Let's see all the possibilities. Like, let me send this. Let me send your resume. Let me send your film. Like, if they say no, they say no. Um, let's get you a trial. Like, all you need is a trial. And so kind of from there, it started from going from like seven, eight months of just like slow of there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And then one day, boom, at the snap of a finger, it's like, all right, what are you doing next month? What are you doing next week? Because we got an opportunity for you. So yeah, it was interesting, interesting times for to get to my second place. And so that's, did you have to go on trial for that or that that came through, that came through just just the connections or? Yeah, I did actually go on trial. So I, my agent was like, hey, I have this trial for you. Go out there, show out, they'll sign you. So I'm like, okay, okay, but sounds good. So I take the huge risk and I pack all my stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm going, I'm going to get signed. And so I had a week trial and three days in, they're like, all right, nice. It's good to go. So yeah, a short little trial little bit unsure, but at the end, perfect. So, I mean, what led you to go in with that confidence, like to pack the whole bag? I love that. I mean, (laughs) there's no return on this. Yeah. I think, I think it's the only option of, okay, maybe not a physical packed bag. That's not the only option. You have other options, but as far as confidence wise mentality, yeah. yeah, mentality, absolutely. It's like, you have to have the confidence of, I'm good. I'm going to show what I have. I'm going to show that I could contribute to this team. And if you don't come in with that confidence, then you're not showing the full you and you know, you're not doing yourself justice. So I think that's the way to go. Pack your bags or pack your metaphorical bags, be all in. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I feel, I feel like the, the, the risk of not feeling like that. I mean, it's not going to hurt you to, to be that confident to like go yeah. in it. I mean, unless, I mean, you still have to be humble, of course, and you still have to make mm-hmm. sure that you work hard and you don't expect anything, but like on the flip side and not thinking that I think is so much more detrimental. So to go in with that confidence, metaphorical bag or physical bag, it, you know, that's <laughs> on you, but regardless, that's the mentality. Absolutely. And going from Costa Rica to Iceland, obviously with the short stint in the U.S. in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're polar opposites uh, in terms of culture and climate. Mm-hmm. But what were some similarities between the two? Mm, if I'm being honest, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess we can talk about the differences. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually, now that I said I do have one similarity. Nice. Okay, so going from... Costa Rica and going from Iceland, one thing super similar is that they develop young talent there. And mm. so I was coming in for both of them, you know, I'm 21, 22. And some of these girls that I'm playing with, like, how old are you? They're like, I'm 16. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, Damn. I can't imagine being 16, like training with a like professional team, like in the development. So I think that that type of development, that's almost everywhere and it's starting to be more of a reality in the u.s Mm -hmm. that was a similarity that i honestly i think it's awesome so similarity might be the only one i don't know we got one i mean we got what we were looking (laughs) for we got one so but but between iceland and sweden i mean very similar in terms of 
maybe not vary, but they're they're similar in terms of cultures and in football. How do you feel like in these seasons, in these years, really affected you or helped you both on the field and off the field? So that you were ready to to play, but you were also ready to continue this dream of living abroad and living away from family. Yeah, I think that there's so much, you guys, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, but there's so much that goes into it that only time can really get you to the place that you want to be. So for an example, just the element of being comfortable, that's something for most people, you just got to give it time. And so for me, my, you know, my first time living abroad was really hard being away from my family, being away from everything. But as time goes on, like you learn how to use your resources to, okay, like seven hour time difference. Here's when I call my boyfriend. Here's when I call my mom, my dad, my sister, like, here's how everything works out. You just learn to live with it. It becomes reality. And going from place to place, kind of living that unsure life when you're, let's just say you're going from one contract to another or your contract's finished and you're looking for something else, like being able to let yourself live in those unsure moments prepares you for your future struggles. And it just like, in my opinion, it allows you to be more rock solid as a person, as a player, like, you know, you can go through so much that's so bad at the time, but you get to the next moment after that. And then you're like, wow, like I'm unshakable when it comes to this, like nothing can phase me. And so I think, I hope you guys would agree the same thing of, you know, yeah, totally. the process. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us any specifics in terms of, you know, things or, or hardships during this time that you really learned to to live with, to, to find comfort in, and then ultimately, you know, kind of use that as just another, another chink in the armor. Yeah. Um, so let's think, Hmm. I would say the first time I really had a big struggle was when I was playing in Sweden. I obviously I was away from my family. Um, and I got to a point in the season to where, I wasn't doing what I was there to do. So I wasn't getting the playing time that I wanted. And this is like a big thing for so many football players, because if you're coming from college and playing pro, most people have played every single minute of every single game. Mm. Um, And then for me, what it looked like in my path of that's how it looked like when I was in Costa Rica, I was always going to play that in Iceland, like, I always played. And so Sweden was the first time that I really probably uh, halfway through my time there that I was in this spot that I was like, this is unfamiliar. Like I was brought in here to play football, to play games, to help win games. And I'm actually not able to do that right now. And so I would say over the next months, it was hard to find you know, to mentally get over that. Okay. Like, what is my worth? If Mm. they brought me to here to play and I want to play and I find my value in like my performance on the field, if I'm not playing, who am I? If I'm not Mm. playing now, like, how can I get better to a point where I can play? How can I listen to feedback? How can I learn from the players around me? How can I adapt in a new way that 
gets me back to my goal. And if my goal is near in the future or if it's far in the future, I have to be realistic with myself. I have to ask the questions that I don't want to ask to the coaching staff, to the people that are making the decisions. I really have to get comfortable with asking uncomfortable questions from them, from myself. Um, Being in that situation of the unknown, I would say, was the first struggle I had to go through of that kind. And so experiencing that there and knowing that, you know, my worth as a football player doesn't change if I'm starting or if I'm coming off the bench, like I'm still a football player, regardless, I can still contribute to my team. Yeah. It might look different in both ways, but kind of getting over that initial change for me, helped me allowed me to kind of come to a new place to where my confidence wasn't shaken by decisions made by other people. Like everything that I couldn't control, everything that I can't control, I cannot let affect my confidence. So still working on that part, still working on that part. But I think it's always, I think there's no perfecting any of these things. It's because they're tough, especially, I mean, as footballers, you're totally right. Like there's such a reliance on playing and winning and our self-worth. That relationship is, is very hard to break. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you can do better jobs at it, but other times it can, it can really haunt you. It's that, that balance of obsession with the sport that, you know, part of the obsession helps you get to the places you are, but part of that obsession, obsession also brings you into, you know, these holes that you can't necessarily dig out of so quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Balance. Balance. It's, it's the simplest word and it means the most. It really Mm -hmm. does. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, your process was with this, was it difficult for you at first to be so intrinsic about it, to, to ask these questions to yourself, to realize you had to ask these uncomfortable questions to coaches and to others? Did you feel like in reflecting on, on, on this time, did you feel like maybe in those beginning weeks or months that it was more just emotion or it was more just blame on other things rather than thinking, okay, how can I get better and how can I improve the situation yeah it it definitely was you know in an ideal world we're put in a situation and we know how to solve it once we know how to solve it we solve it yeah but you know like that's not reality for me it's like you're put in a a position that you've never been before and you automatically start looking around and it's so easy to look at the people around you and to try to find an excuse to even say wow, like I had a better practice than her today and she's starting. She doesn't even get questioned for this or that or whatever. And, you know, this person's really hard on me. That's the easy way out. And I've been there and I still go back to there sometimes. I think it's normal for everybody. But I think over time and, you know, a lot of phone calls with my parents where they had to be brutally honest with me and say, Mm. hey, like, you got to look in the mirror too. Not everybody is you know, is your problem. Like your problems aren't coming from other people. Like, like I said before, control what you can control. And if you're so focused and if you're so committed on doing the things that are yours, then those things will go away. You're not going to be like, okay, I'm so committed to doing everything that I'm doing. But if I look over here, that girl didn't have a good practice today. No, you don't notice that because you're so busy on getting yours on improving and 
being the best you that you're like, wow, she didn't have a good practice today. I want her to have a good practice tomorrow. And when she does have a, a good practice, you're the first one to pat her on the back to say, well done. Nice work. You know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. perspective for sure. Yeah. Perspective is, is exactly right. Mm-hmm. Has your, I mean, reflecting on this and how this kind of process happened, have you been able to kind of use this in, in other scenarios for maybe things that are similar or not even so similar, just the way that there, there can always be resolution if you're willing to kind of look within and, and realize that your problems aren't out there, but they're, they're in, in here. Absolutely. It's actually kind of, kind of crazy when you go through a situation in football and then you're faced with kind of a similar situation in life. In like, life, yeah. I've kind of been here before. Mm, and I would say yeah. for me in my, um, with my mental health for so long, I had struggled with it and I kind of kept it inside and, you know, all my behaviors for me, I would justify it. I'd say, you know, like this isn't going right for me in life. You know, I'm allowed to be sad. I'm allowed to be this or you know, like this trauma happened to me in the past. Like I don't have to deal with it. It wasn't my fault or whatever feelings that I had, like I would let them stay. Mm. And instead of solving it, it's like almost like pushing them back down, which is the same that I was doing in football. Instead of how can I solve this problem? It was like, how do I not feel this way? How do I, you know, solve my problem with the snap of a finger? And so when I had dealt with my football issues and as I was going through them, it kind of got me to the point with my mental health where I started to reach out to the people that I loved, like something that I never imagined that I could do before. And I was like, Hey, actually, you know, I'm not okay. I actually want to get help and I want to deal with what's inside me so that what's inside me doesn't keep me from enjoying my life. And enjoying the situation that I'm in. And so I would say it's honestly scary how those things, um, those things can happen in football. And then down the road, you're faced with a situation in life. And it's like you're using those same skills that you built. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I'm still so fascinating by this concept. I know, Dylan, you knew I was say this. I, I knew exactly what you were going to yeah, say. I was, was going to bait like, you into I, it. I, I, have, I have to maybe write something about it. But I I always say that, like, the game of football and, like, everything involved with it, it's like life, but, like, 10 times speed. And it's just, like, super up and down, and it's, like, everything's a lot more drastic. But it's like life compressed into this like really tiny one season and like getting a contract and not having a contract, looking for a new team, moving countries. And then like when a when a situation that comes to life, it's like, oh, I've done this before, but like this is a lot easier now. Yes. Okay. You write a book on that and I'll read the whole thing in one one night. Binge read it. Yeah. There's something to it, I swear. (laughs) I I think about it all the time. But yeah. Anytime he brings it up too, he's like, I gotta write about it, but There's got to be, I, I will. I, I need even an article, even an article, Sean. Like you know, a little like article, Start somewhere, exactly. you can always build on it. But I mean, I think. Exactly. It's, I think we all kind of, I mean, when you say it, everyone's always kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because it is, I mean, all the things that you go through in a season or with a team, like, you know, feeling all of the emotions that can go with not playing, it, it affects your self-worth, it affects your ego, it affects mm-hmm. your confidence. And those things can kind of, 
you know, spill into everyday life. So when you can kind of learn ways to to approach those things in, in, in a different way, then you can approach it when it when it comes in life. And I mean, confidence is one that that hits us in everyday life all the time. So when you're battling mm-hmm. this and you're learning new ways to kind of face it yourself, it becomes much easier in in real life. Facts. Write something for us, Sean. We're waiting. Yeah, well, I will. I'm on it. <laughs> we're running circles around this topic and we're, we're waiting for too long to bring us now. Home. Yeah. So, I mean, what kind of advice would you give to people? I mean, you've been in, in multiple countries now. Um, you live away from your family. Like you said, your boyfriend, you have a twin sister. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who I'm sure you're so very close with. So what kind of advice do you give to people in terms of ways to to adapt to this and to and to learn, as you said, it just becomes part of part of your life and, and, and instead of battling it? I would definitely say, obviously, as far as keeping in contact with the people that you love, make a schedule, prioritize, figure out, you know, the first time you get there, like, when am I going to be able to talk to my support system? For sure. When am I going to be able to hear from the people that I love? Do that first. Um, and then second thing that I would definitely say is, um, play for them, you know, Mm. for all the things that you're missing, like, remember like the sacrifices you're making to play the sport that you love and play in a way that shows that, you know, if you go to the pitch every morning for training and you're like, Oh, you know what? I'm away from my family. If I could just go home if I could just this, if I could just that, or if practice was over, you know, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to watch some Netflix. Like, are you really doing everybody justice? Are you doing yourself justice? Are you doing your sacrifice justice? In my opinion, you're not. But if you go to the field every day, you don't have to be the most serious person on earth, like by any means. But, you know, for me, it's like, I have my screensaver. It's my parents on the front you open it up, it's me and my twin. And so every time I go, I, you know, set my phone down in the locker room. I see my parents, I see my sister. I'm like, I love those guys. They would want me to live my dream. Like I'm doing this for me, but I'm doing this for them too. And like all the sacrifices that I make, um, you know, being away from my family, being away from my boyfriend, I'm like, no, they're all going to be worth it. Like I'm playing in a way that I think they would be proud of me. There goes that perspective again. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good stuff. I mean, whew. Sean's yeah. making notes right now, and it's just yeah. like, <laughs> good point. Save this. Yeah. Save this. Save this. Save this. Save this. Where the whole Clip episode this. is just saved. Yeah. We're gonna make we're gonna it's make Instagram reels and TikToks of this whole episode. Love this. Um, I mean, to to bring us before we get into <clears throat> our our fast feet, uh, quick fire questions. Just reflecting on the journey up until this point what things would you say helped you you to get to this moment? So in other words, why did Annie make it as a pro and why is she still going? Great question. There's so many things that we don't notice that play a huge role later. Um, But if I could, gosh, If I could, no, I don't even, I I can't even say one. There's so many. Um, I think that me being me, 
the things that have made me stronger, definitely dealing with adversity. Like if you are in the process doing what you know you need to be doing and um, adversity comes along, like sometimes it's such a good thing. Like it sucks going through, but that is what is going to make like good players great in in some circumstances. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's that it's kind of like that. um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, you look at players who were good, have been good, and then they talk about some adversity, some injury, some, okay, like I didn't get called up to the national team, okay? That is their kind of turning point from when they decided, okay, I was good and I was comfortable. And then the second I got uncomfortable, I realized that like my ceiling was higher. And so I would say being able to... uh I don't know, go through adversity, sometimes barely making it, sometimes not with a positive attitude, sometimes waking up and being like, listen, I got to get through the day. But just like going through it, going through the process, I think has really just allowed me to be who I am as a player and have the mindset of that I have on the field as like, okay, I don't have to be anybody else. I have to be me. If I'm not where I want to be, that's okay, but we keep working day in and day out um, to be the player that you want to be. Um, yeah. Process, perspective. Process, exactly. Going yeah. through adversity, embracing adversity. No, definitely. And not an easy thing. You guys, you guys, I think, would agree with me that adversity is like the worst, best thing that could ever happen to you. Absolutely. It's yeah, like, well sure. said. yeah, so many people talk about injuries that have like sidelined them for a period of time. And they're like, do, could I, if I could go back, do I wish that I never got hurt? Absolutely. But did I learn like invaluable lessons, like on and off the pitch from that? Also, absolutely. So it's just kind of like that double-edged sword mm-hmm. for sure. Oh. Yep. Yeah. It hurts, but there's so much to take from it that makes you stronger in the end. So, Yes. All right. I mean, we've we've thrown so many deep questions at you and we thank you for that. But we're going to head into the fast feet round, some quick fire questions, starting with your favorite player growing up. Crystal Dunn. Nice. Love that. Love her. Favorite moment in football. Mm, Probably signing my first professional contract. Most difficult moment. Um leaving my club from sweden to come to italy best advice you ever received control what you can control favorite place you've lived costa rica Ooh, Ooh, surprised by that i thought it was gonna be italy (laughs) best player you've ever played with and against with katie pingle against rose lavelle Ballers. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? I think I'd be a teacher. Nice. What would we be teaching? English. English. Mm-hmm. Okay. Favorite book? The Great Gatsby. Good one. Any quote or mantra that you live by? Mm. Perspective. 
perspective there we go again (laughs) full circle moment right there yes what a great way to end annie we want to thank you so much for coming on um we enjoyed and got so much out of this topic i can't wait to listen back and bring some things into into my own plane and my own life and we can't wait to see what the future holds we'll be following along yeah thank you guys so much for having me thank you annie annie williams another incredible story i don't know where i was going with the start on that it's pretty much <laughs> if your last name starts if you're i mean if your last name is williams then you just got a lot of good things to say i think yeah. that's just really what it is so go ahead till take it away i mean there's just a i mean there's so many things that stand out in that episode there's there's a lot of times like we kind of joked around about where we're making notes where we feel like this is a good topic and we told her off camera that there's a lot of you know things that she she gave to us and in Sean and I's circumstances where we can take into training, we can take into games and where we felt very similar. And I think that's one of the best things about this podcast is like finding those things that help us all hopefully help you guys who are listening, help Sean and I help her when she's, you know, reflecting and thinking about all of these things that made her path so unique and so cool. I mean, just how we started off and her talking about her path and it was a little bit difficult at first to to realize it because it can be so it can be so easy to look around and think, oh, this person and you have no idea what that path is of that other person, mind you. But that person's path looks like this because, you know, a variety of things, social media, but looking inside and then thinking of all the ways that this path was unique and that made her her and that helped her grow and that helped her become stronger and helped her adapt to some things and helped her look more intrinsically and, and, you know, work through some, some, some mental health things that she was going through and, you know, come out stronger and better for it. And um, I think that's really what this podcast is about in a nutshell. And we kept coming back to the word and its perspective. And I think we went through a, a circle of it and finding the perspective and in a lot of difficult situations that us as footballers, you know, trying to make a name for ourselves abroad. And, you know, as any person might in any situation when dealing with things like confidence and, you know, uncertainty and, you know, missing your support system, these things, we can all go through it no matter what we're doing. So the perspective that she shared with us, um, I'm super grateful for, because like yeah. I said, time and time yeah. again, I take, personally just on a personal level i took a lot from that episode yeah same here i mean the the perspective that she shared i mean there was a bunch of like she kind of went off a few times when i and i could really relate to it personally which is like we say all the time we get so much from it ourselves and like one of the big things too is like playing for your family or playing for the sacrifices that you're making i love that no it's like don't like mope around because you don't have to be here so if like you're either you're either gonna be in it or just don't be here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that like it's such a simple way to look at it, but it's such like a once again changes your perspective. Oh, it's like, brilliant I'm though. Literally yeah. wasting my time. If I'm not putting my effort in, I'm wasting my own time one. And then I'm wasting my time away from everything else I could be doing back home or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an important perspective for for us to take with into into our own playing careers and also just other people that like yeah, just change your perspective and kind of think bigger than just your little tiny situation that you're thinking about in the current moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and it's so easy to to i mean it's so easy to lose that present feeling and then to kind of focus on little negatives here that really aren't that big of a deal and one of the things she said when uh, about that topic that you were talking about Sean is like playing in a way that does like yourself and your sacrifices justice but also your family like playing in a way when you're on the field so like you know i know my family you know would love to know that i'm having fun as much as i can in every single train and every single game because this was my dream and they knew that and they know it's still my dream so that's like one of those things is like it's so easy to lose you know and it comes in and out a lot of times too but it's so easy to kind of lose that focus of like this is a game and it's so fun like it's so fucking fun and forgetting that and focusing on little annoyances here and there that you know who who gives a shit in in the grand scheme of it you know yeah. i love that the yeah good one man perspective like i just keep coming back to that word yeah. and i feel yeah. like that's I mean, that's like probably the episode, the title. If it's something yeah. else, then, you know, we'll no, see. No, but no, it's, it's speaking surely, of it now, right after the episode, yeah. it feels like it's got to be that. It feels it feels right. It feels right. And when you know what else feels right is free support. It's free. You just have to like and subscribe. What a transition now. Who says we're not getting better? <laughs> Transitions on point today. Transitions yes, on point. Free support, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews. All that good I, stuff. I was gonna say five apples. Oh, uh, give me that. Give us those five apples. And uh, and speaking of free support and speaking with um, Antoinette, um, we're gonna be posting a lot of her links. Some very important games for her coming up. So there's one site um, that yes. we recommend everyone you know make an account with because it's free. You can access a lot of games. Um, they don't play every single game, but there's a lot of games. There's a lot of women's soccer highlights, matches, live. Um, and it's free. So yep. ATA yeah, football, ATA football, um, yes. we'll be posting about it. Um, make an account. It's free. You know, you can, you can look at Parma's Instagram and stuff like that too. We're going to be posting links, but it, you know, we talk about supporting women's football and it's something Sean and I are really vowing to, to, to do more of and trying to do our part in it. And that's an easy way for everyone is to subscribe and, you know, start watching games and finding the games. So ATA football is, is one. Yes. And we will share that in the description and uh, cool with that until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning and make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands that make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 